Boom. Hello and welcome to the Protector Nation podcast, a podcast that is dedicated to making the world a better place, making the world a safer place by making good people dangerous. In this podcast, we're going to study and understand what it takes to protect, to protect your family, to protect your loved ones, because we all know that you have a few basic needs, food, water, and shelter, but you also have the need to protect those things. In a world and society where evil runs rampant and is sometimes left unchecked, learning how to protect yourselves and your loved ones is becoming more and more important. And so we strive to raise the level of accountability to those who would do evil on this planet by making sure that the sheep, that the flock, is more well-versed in protecting themselves and their loved ones. If that sounds interesting to you, then sit back and enjoy the show. Out. Boom! What's going on, you guys? Byron Rogers here for another episode of the Protective Podcast. This one's going to be, they're all special, but this one I'm extremely excited about. I got my main man here, Remy Adelaide. How you doing, brother? Doing good, brother Byron. Thanks for having me on, man. You, I, I love tracking with you on social media and all that you do, bro. So this is an honor and a blessing to be hanging with you for a bit. No, man, for sure. It's an honor for me too, man. It's an honor for me too. I, uh, Man, I mean, the first thing on the top of my mind and for, okay, for those of you who just are getting acquainted with my man Remy here, um, NSW, you know, he was a SEAL for a bit. Um, he's done, uh, you know, he's been in some movies. You guys may have seen him in Transformer. Which Transformers was that? Oh, the last night. Yeah, the last night. Uh, let's see. He's, he's so he's, he's been around showbiz. And then are you like directing a movie or something like that? Yeah, now? I directed a movie now. I directed a movie that uh, is going out to festivals now. It's actually, uh, it's a human trafficking piece. Outstanding. So he's in that fight. Uh, clothing company, some apparel coming down the line. Yeah, I started, um, was it the first week of just, no, Father's Day, we, the Father's Day weekend, we launched an apparel cook, a company called Kejo. I would have it on right now, but uh, just finished working out. But um, but yeah, yeah it's, uh, it's about be the inspiration, motivation, and education. We, you know, we're putting quotes and certain things on the shirt so that, that way people, if they're walking down the street and they're feeling down and, 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 and they look up and they see somebody with a shirt that has something specific on it that speaks to their situation and they get that inspiration and motivation. So that's the, that's the idea behind the company you know and it's taken a lot of my life experiences and, and a lot of the lessons I've learned over the course of my career in the SEAL teams and just in business in general and uh putting them into uh into the apparel which is just awesome because the people who are wearing the clothes they are being the inspiration it's it, it's exactly. genius man I love it exactly. I dig it you know and um then your book transformed bro this yeah, book yeah. transformed my man my yeah. man like I read the book yeah. And I'm a I'm a serial audio book dude. Thank thank you. Thank yeah. you for making it an audio book, bro. Cause you yeah. know, I'm I'm infantry dude, you know. Yeah. I mean I got some degrees, but that was like that was like going to war for me. And yeah. <laughs> you know, so the audiobook piece was nice. And yeah. dude, this book was like one of the most gripping books. If it's like top three most gripping books I listened to this year as a testament to that, I legitimately Listen to it while I was at the gym. Yeah. Now, to me, that when I'm like in the gym and I'm like, yo, let me listen to this book right quick. That's how you know the book's fire. Cause like, you know, in the gym, you got to listen to like your monster music yeah. or yeah. your battle rap, something yeah. that gets you going. You know yeah, something to hype you up. Yeah. yeah so I was like in there, like going through, you know, buds with you and all this yeah. stuff. Uh, and it, it was an amazing book, man. So y'all listening need to go check out Transformed. Yeah. Um, because that, that book, that book blew my mind, man. 
Thanks, so. bro. Thanks, man. Yeah, it was. Uh, um, it was. It took a lot of work to put bring that book together, man. You know, I wrote every word of it. Um, I had a lot of challenges with my publisher. They didn't okay. want the book to be what it was. They wanted the book to be half the size that it was. Um, that it is, excuse me. Um, they wanted to take out all the cursing. They wanted to kind of water down the story. And I just, you know, stood to my, you know, stood, stood my ground and, uh, you know, the story is what it is now. So, I'm, yeah. yeah. And so, that takes, that takes, that takes balls, man. And the grace yeah. of God, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, cause exactly. that's a big gamble, you know, yeah, that's yeah, big, yeah. That's playing big boy, you know? Yeah. 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 Game. Yeah. So, yeah, my publisher had told me, man, they said, uh, well, one person, like the vice president, the vice president or the president of the uh, of the publishing house that I was under for under HarperCollins told me, they said, they said, you know, we don't believe in this book. And uh, and they said uh, we this was halfway through the writing process. They said um, yeah. uh, she said here's what I'll do, you know, cause I got like a really, really large advance, you know, 275,000 advance. And so they said, here's what we're going to do. I will, you will only have to pay back $80,000 of your advance if you scrap the book and don't move forward. Um, she said, but if you, um, if you, if you don't listen and you don't take that offer and I don't like the book, and you're in breach of contract in any way, I'm gonna make you pay back every dollar of it. <laughs> my advice to you is you take my first offer. And I said, come on, you don't know who you're dealing with, man. <laughs> so uh, so oh, I, was, man. I was like, there's no quit in me. So I, I was like, I'm gonna write it and you go, and I'm gonna make you love it. And so I, <laughs> I, I finished writing it, turned it in three days early. I still, I have the email on my, um, I keep a screenshot of it on my phone, but she read yeah. it. She was just like, I'm so surprised. Like, <laughs> it's amazing. She was just like, you know, I didn't think we, you would pull it off. She was like, I'm so glad that you stood your ground and kept on writing. Cause we have a, you have, you know, you're a great storyteller and a great writer. And so I was like, yeah, she had to eat crow. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> my man, it's so good. It's so good. I love seeing you win, dude. I love it, man. And I love, you know, for all the, uh, for all the, well, and then this comes with it. It just does now, you know, being a black man, yep. you know, yep. out here yep. representing, contributing, uh, yep. you know, being an example of what yep. you can do from where you're from, yeah, yeah. you know, like you're from the hood, you know, and <clears throat> the other thing, you know, but while still on that topic for a second, but being a black man, contributing, representing, you know, having a family, keeping yep. the family together, having yep. success, yep. being from all the stuff you're from, you know, no excuses. Um, that means the world to me, man. Yeah. What you say about that stuff? Nah, I appreciate it, man. Yeah, no excuses, man. You know. Um, and don't quit. <laughs> my mom, you know, my mom instilled that in me, man. It's just like you can't, you can't. Uh, if something goes south, it's not anybody's fault but yours. Like if there's one person that you can control in this planet, that that that's you. You know, can't run around blaming this, blaming that, blaming your environment, blaming the white man, blaming all this other stuff. My mom hated that. You know what I mean? Yeah. She, like you have to get after it. You can't have an excuse. You don't have. You can't say, "Oh, I don't have a dad. I don't have this." Have, <laughs> you know what I mean? My, my mom was. She's still gangster, man. Like she doesn't. Yeah. You know, that, yeah. No, that's huge, man. And I, I think, 
you know, because I was raised the same exact way. And maybe it's the immigrant thing, you know, because my yeah. parents are Bahamian, you know, like they don't okay. care, man. Yeah. They ain't yeah. trying to hear it. You yeah. know, it's like you're going to have to be twice as smart. You're going to have to be twice as strong to get half as much respect. And that's yeah. the situation. So be twice as smart, you know. So, and I, yeah. There exactly. was just no, you know, I couldn't cry about nothing, you know. So I, I, um, I really want to honor you for that. And I want everybody to know, you know, read that book. See where my man came from, man. What was it like? I mean, real, we haven't even gotten to the main questions, you know, but just a little background about your upbringing and stuff. Um, yeah. Where you've come. Yeah, so I was, uh, I was born in Nigeria. Um, my dad was a super wealthy, well-known Nigerian engineer, philanthropist, businessman. He owned a bunch of businesses. He had a car, dealers car dealerships. Um, he had art galleries. He had, uh, but his main business was in engineering. He was, a, he had a big engineering consulting business. And so because of his success, you know, by the time I was born, I was born into that wealth. So we traveled the world. We had cars, nannies, drivers. We lived on a compound. We had security. We had horses. We lived on, and the compound was on this island in Lagos called uh, Victoria Island, which is where the, you know, some of the most wealthy people in Nigeria lived. Um, but unfortunately, fast forward, the Nigerian government stripped my father of his most valuable asset. Most of his wealth was wrapped up in it, millions of dollars. And uh, my dad died shortly after. And so we went from, we were from rich to poor. Um, and my mother being a, uh, an American, um, she was, she met my dad in New York because she was a New Yorker and they got married five months later. And then she moved to Africa with him. Um, she, you know, when my dad died, she permanently relocated us back to the Bronx, New York. So, you know, I grew up, you know, in, in the Bronx, it was rough It's the eighties crack epidemic, um, you know, Drugs every corner. Yeah. It's statistically real quick. Sorry to cut you off. Nah, you good, you good. Yeah. I'll be doing research yeah. for my products and for my live events. Yeah. And yeah. so I got to know crime statistics so I can like right now the world is so dangerous and you should come to our training event, right? But the thing is, the 80s was like almost twice as dangerous as far as crime as it is right now. Yeah. In, yeah. America. in terms of yeah. violent crime per hour, the 80s yeah. was seriously a lot more dangerous actually well and not only did you have like the drug you know drug wars and you know turf wars when it came to drugs gangs started you know becoming a thing because i don't i mean gangs were a thing but like they just really started blowing up at that time and then on top of that you had the mafia you know so <laughs> which was like a lot of people don't know the mafia ran a lot of new york you know and i remember being a kid going into local bodegas or local stores and seeing the italian mob dudes come in in their suits and collect the tax from the from you know they, they call it a tax right they collected money from um the storefront owners and and they walked out you know so you know, that was, you know, bodies would come up missing. There was a guy in my building. He was involved in the mob. Um, he owned like a big club and gym right down the street. Not not gym, but a club slash restaurant right down the street from my um, building. And uh, he never, nobody, you know, nobody ever found his body. You know what I mean? So um, it was crazy, man. It was crazy. It was, you know, it was wild. Yeah, man. Nah. So, you know, to come from that and then to create what you've created, you know, yeah. and since then, you know, you, you know, you've done the things we spoke about at the beginning of the call, you know, yeah. it's miraculous to me, yeah. you know, yeah. um, and, and it's an honor to be connected with you. And one of the things that blew me away about the book is just the parallels, man. Yeah, like, yeah. you know, I got my father, you know, he's a 
was said to be one of the uh, most successful entrepreneurs in the Bahamas at the time. At the time, you know, when I moved to the U.S., I went with my mom because I got to figure it out. I'm like, you know, ask dad for something for Christmas. He's like, I get you a computer for you to do your homework. <laughs> I'm like, come on, dad. You know, anyway, but um, the parallels were so amazing. And then even with, you know, the success I've had, it's all been by the grace of God, you know, because yeah, yeah. um, I've done my best to be as legit and hardcore as I can, but yeah, God's favor, man. Uh, yes, his favor, yeah. guidance, and you know, and you know, I tell people all the time, you know, um, you know, God gives us wisdom, and uh, the issue is we, you know, a lot of times we don't choose to use that wisdom, you know what I mean? If we use that wisdom, then that leads to success. If we don't use that wisdom, then that just leads to us bumping our head over and over and over again until we choose to use the wisdom. So, yeah, man, I am not wise by any means i just i just tap into the wisdom of the lord <laughs> yeah man yeah oh, i feel you on that who would you say so who is remy adelaide at his core you know who's the man behind all this stuff remy at his core i would just say uh just relentless you know what i mean um there is no limits to who i am that's just how i feel and i don't say that in a prideful way i just say that um there's always a way to figure it out. You know, that's just a big part of who I am, no matter how dire the situation is. Like, you know, that's a big part of my persona. And I think that comes from my mom, you know, because my mother, she always, uh, you know, bad situations and setbacks and failure were, were second nature to her. You know, mm -hmm. get punched in the face proverbially and then getting yeah. back up was always second nature to her. And so I grew up with that. I grew up with a woman who, you know, got knocked down 10 times, but got up 11 times. You know, I grew up with a woman that made, you know, water out of, made wine out of water, you know, and she would yeah. always work hard, work multiple jobs um, to make things happen. And so in my mind, like as a kid, I was always like, there's nothing, nothing is impossible because, you know, my mother showed me that model that for me every day of my life. So that's just the core of who I am today. Like nothing is impossible. Like, um, you know, and that's what I think I try to tell my team, you know, when they say, oh, we can't do this, we can't do that. And I'm just, <laughs> no, dude, you can do that. There's always a way you just have to figure out the way. Is it hard? Yes. But, but you just got to figure out the formula to make it work. You know, in a case in point with my, with my, uh, with my apparel company, you know, uh, my team, was, you know, I was, I had so much going on and I didn't realize when Father's Day was. And I was just like, I thought it was like two or three weeks out. And like, I remember it was a Monday before Father's Day and I'm, in my mind, I'm thinking it's two, three weeks out because I got so much going on that all the days blur together. And I hit up my, you know, my, my partner and I was like, hey dude, I just realized Father's Day is this Sunday. And I was just like, we need to launch the company this Thursday. No, this was the, the actually, no, this was the, the Friday, not the Friday before, but like, like as in like 10 days before um, Father's Day. So the Friday before the week before Father's Day. And, yeah. and so I was like, we need to launch, the, we need to launch our apparel company next week. <laughs> the plan was to launch the apparel company like July 7th. And just tomorrow. And I was like, no, dude. I said we we can capture, you know, a lot of sales. We could do a lot. We need to launch next week. And he was like, that's impossible. Yada, yada, yada. He's like, manufacturer, yada, yada, yada. And I was like, nope, it's not impossible. We and we did it. 
and we got tons of sales, you know what I mean? So much that we ran out of inventory, you know what I'm saying? Yep. And, and so if we had waited until the seventh, we would have lost a lot of the momentum from Father's Day weekend, you know? So, you know, uh, th that's just my mindset, you know, nothing is impossible. There's always a way um, you just have to figure out that way. And then sometimes you just have to do the extra, extra hard work, you know, yeah. the extra, not just the extra hard work, the extra, extra hard work to accomplish <laughs> the goal, you know what I'm saying? And a lot of people don't want to do that, but that's just, that's just within my nature. Cause you know, that comes from my mom. And so that's the core of who I am. Absolutely. Nah, yeah. I, I dig that man. Relentless. That's awesome. Yeah. I, and I, I'm the side, man, I see the, like, I'm the same way, man. There's just like, even in my house, can't yeah. is like a bad word. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I don't think for probably the last few years, if someone said can't around me, it's like, like, like my head, like, I'm kind of like, whoa, whoa, yeah. whoa. Yeah. yeah. Work the equation, work the yeah. equation. I, I was literally talking to my, my wife last night. I was like, in our house, I'm going to get a plaque and put it above the door, above the door to my office. It says, figure it out. Because that's yeah, like yeah, one of my yeah. favorite things to tell yeah, people. Yeah, no, yeah. no, no, no. Yep. Figure yeah. it out. <laughs> Figure it out. Figure it out, man. Yeah. I, yeah, I get on my team about that all the time. You know what I mean? Because, But it is a lot of it is, you know, a lot of, obviously, the people that, and this is no fault to the people we work with, um, they haven't gone through the things that we've gone through that have made us the men that we are today. And it's hard to uh, project that on the people when they haven't. They, they, they haven't been tested and tried like us, right? So it's right. just like one of those things, like how do you give them that mindset and you know ways through experience and time or showing them, see, you yeah. said we couldn't do it, we did it, see? You said we couldn't do it, we did it, see? You said, like, all right, learn, you know? Like, look at the trend here. <laughs> no, that's wisdom, y'all. Yeah, I hope y'all listening to that right there. That right. I hope, you know, especially our veterans, man, because... That is really what the game is about is trying to transfer these um, these intangible things that you bring yeah. from our background, training, combat into yeah. our teams, into our families, yeah. you know, so that we can all live at that level that's possible. Yeah. Man. That's yeah. huge. And it's yeah. experience and it's example, like you were saying, yeah. man, not just preaching. Yeah, not doing it. Yeah. And that's something I tell, you know, I've always said, you know, every great leader will never make you do something that they have not done or that they are not willing to do. You know, and, you know, that's, you know, we, a lot of the stuff that I'm sure you're telling your team, I'm telling my team, you know, are either things that we have done or things that we would 100% be willing to do because, we, you know, we've had done it. We've done, if not that exact thing, a variation of that thing, you know, so. Absolutely. Probably yeah. worse in worse conditions, you know. <laughs> um, what would you say, you know, Let's dig into a little bit of this of, of your time in NSW, man. What would you say was your major takeaway or life lesson from that experience, which we may have just been talking about? Uh, wow, well, I mean, I had a great time in NSW, man. I had some great deployments um, downrange, you know, got after it. You know, I was a humid guy, so as well as a medic, so I lived best of both worlds. I was the guy that, you know, collected intelligence via running sources and uh, different means of collecting intelligence and then vetting that intelligence. And then, you know, once it was vetted, I was going down, you know, kicking down, you know, going on DAs with my with my team, you know, kicking down doors and wrapping up HBTs, you know. So um, it was just, and I was, I mean, it was, which is great, man. I mean, it's hard to, as far as takeaways, I mean, every aspect of it was, 
I apply every day of my life, you know, this concept of, you know, proper leadership, um, team, teamwork, you know, you know, nothing can be done without a team, you need a team, um, know your role, roles and responsibilities and operating those roles and responsibilities. I remember I did an augment and um, on that deployment, you know, we were in a country where we were the only Americans in that country and wow. there were eight operators eight seals of i think it was eight or nine of us total and um the closest qrf was on another continent we were working out at an embassy for the most part and um each guy you know had to know their role and responsibility because there wasn't there were no backups there were no techs you know there were no you know another platoon nearby or anything like that so that's something that i take with me in business um is you know whatever your role and responsibility is you need to know it and you need to operate within it um because if you don't that can affect the mission of that can affect the entire team, you know, um, and that can affect the mission in a negative way. So that was another big takeaway. Um, communication, it was so much I learned about communication, especially, you know, running sources and having to confirm information because, you know, the information I'm receiving, if I don't confirm that it's what I believe that I'm hearing, then, you know, I could pass that on. It could lead to a bad situation. It could lead to walking into an ambush or whatever, whatever the situation may be. And so, you know, that was another big takeaway. And then, you know, kind of like what I said earlier, you know, my mom really instilled in me this idea that that I could do anything as long as I put my mind to it, you know, just being relentless. But the SEAL teams really tested that and then really and took that to a whole nother level, um, especially after getting through SEAL training. Uh, I mean, you already know my story with SEAL tra training, my journey there, I won't give away. But um, but yeah, after going through Hell Week, you know, it's just like, I could do anything. And then, you know, you know, after you make it through SEAL training and then SQT is like, man, I could do anything. That, that, that I mean, you go to a whole another level of I could do anything. And then once you get down range and you're actually operating, you know, then it's like, when you go through, pro, when you go to the ULT, which is training, and Jocko was a guy who ran part of our ULT, so he hammered our. Uh, yes, was, I love Jocko, man. That dude was not. <laughs> I mean, he would he would kill half the platoon. It's 130 degrees outside. You're carrying half your platoon out of a firefight, shooting at the same time, dude. You like hell on him, dude. It's horrible, bro. And uh, I can only imagine, man. Yeah, and he's screaming at dudes like, "You're supposed to be a SEAL." I mean, I mean, he's the real. <laughs> a lot of people don't like think oh that's just an actor who Jocko is and this podcast and all that stuff and it's like no like that's who he is bro like <laughs> for real he's a hard dude and he's like yep. he wants to pull the best out of everybody he's always been that way mm -hmm. um which is something I respect yes. so you get through stuff like that and it's just like yeah I could do any that that I could do anything goes to another level and then you get down range you're actually operating and you're going in situations where you know it's a 16 man platoon eight guys are you know our ground force another eight guys are vehicles and you know six guys are vehicles and it's just like you know you're going into a situation where you know you're completely outnumbered but it's just like hey this is what we do this is who we are and uh and so all of that, all of those experiences, you know, now have, you know, have reinforced this idea that I could do anything, you know, mm -hmm. that I, could, I could do anything, I could be anything. If I want to launch an apparel company, you know, I'm a launch an apparel company. If I want to write a book, I could write a book. If I want to write a movie, I'm right. If I want to direct a movie, I could do it. Why? Because I've done a lot of things. I've, I've done a bunch of other things that are way harder, you know? Yep. So, no, that's beautiful, man. Yeah. Yeah. Play your position, yeah. communicate. 
Yeah. And I can do anything, man. That's yeah. the, that's some big takeaways, man. That's huge stuff, man. That's huge stuff. Um, so switching gears a little bit, man. I, you know, listening to your book and the values and watching the transformation that you went through, uh, uh, ultra valuable. Uh, what would you say? And I respect you a lot as a man, man. You know, like the things that I've been seeing and learning and listening to, you know, and the things I know about you, I think it's it's really encouraging. What would you say, you know, your definition of a man is, you know, and, and how did you arrive at that definition? Oh, wow, that's a good question. I mean, my definition of a man is one who takes responsibility for his actions. I, I think that's the, I mean, that that covers a that's lot. Where, yeah, that's, yeah, that's where it starts, man. That's the game. That's, that's the Garden of Eden, man. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> 100%, man, 100%. I'm dealing with a situation right now where, um, I won't go into all the details, but, you know, I was working with a guy on a project. He made a massive, massive mistake, mm. huge mistake. Uh, and, you know, he is not taking responsibility for that mistake. And he's so embarrassed by it um, that he's lied to himself and he's lied to other people about and, and shifted the blame to other people instead of taking the responsibility. Oh, and, 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 you know, now it's almost turning into a legal situation because he's trying to cover up that mistake. And it's, mm -hmm. almost, it's almost like, you know, they say about compulsive liars is, you know, they, they lie so much that they believe they lie. They genuinely like, believe that. <laughs> yeah. This dude believes that we have, we have all of the evidence. I mean, we have files and files and files of evidence mm -hmm. saying, this is you. This is what you did. This is not everybody else. This is you. This is what you By did. Myself, right over here. And it's all there. Oh, man. Oh, man. And, and, you know, I was on a call with him uh, the other day, and he was just like, well, the only time it was messed up was when was when so-and-so was handling this. And, and or when so-and-so wasn't there. And I said to him, I said, well, dudes, you know, 90 so-and-so only handled this particular situation two out of 200 times. Yeah, so yeah. Like, you want to shift the blame to him, yeah, you can shift it to him out of those, you know, the two percent like of the blame. Yeah. But the <laughs> other 198 times, I was right. all you, and here's all the evidence. Like, this is, like, you know, and it's, and yeah. it's, it's just, you know, that, uh, but he's a young kid. You know what I mean? He hasn't been tested, you know what I mean? And it's just one of those things where it's like when you're young, you know, and it's just, you know, you taught a different way, you brought up a different way. Yeah, you know? you're really locked into those real yeah. masculine traits. Yeah. yeah, so it's like, for me, that's a, that's a big, you know, that's what makes a man one who takes responsibility. And then, you know, that like I said, that covers a lot of things. Like if you have a child, you know, take responsibility as a, as a, as a man and you take care of your child. Yeah. You know what I mean, I never understand how a man can make a child and then not take care of that child. I'm with you, you know, marriage, you know what I mean? Like faithfulness when it comes to marriage and all of those things, you know, it's like take responsibility. You know what I mean? If you feel like you're going to be in a situation that's going to be tempting and you're going to fall into, you know, uh, you're going to be unfaithful to your wife with another woman and, you know, take responsibility and cut, you know, cut the situation off at the root. You know what I mean? So it's like, you know, again, I could go on examples after example, but essentially the root of it is, you know, a man is somebody who takes responsibility of his or her actions. You know what I mean? Yeah, man. So no, I think that's so huge. I like, I, and I, when I, even when I think more deeply about the words, 
take responsibility. Like there may be a lot of components and a lot of people involved and a lot of whatever, whatever could have he, she, it, we, but the reality of the game is that man shows up and he takes that responsibility yeah, yeah. with it. You know, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's eight people involved in this thing. Well, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go back to where I could have changed something <laughs> and yeah. I'm going to figure out what I could have changed. Yeah, yeah. Make sure, make sure it yeah. goes smoothly next time, you know? Exactly. exactly. Um, it's exactly. beautiful, man. And it takes a strong person to do that. And I think that's yeah. why that's the masculine role, you know? A hundred percent. That's yeah. huge, man. What would you, uh, any advice, you know, cause you, you lost your father at a young age. Mm. Any advice to, um, you know, dudes growing up out there without their fathers, you know, yeah. uh, the family unit's been under attack here in yeah. America you yeah. know, for a while. Yeah. So, you know, what would you say to the dudes growing up and having to figure it out on their own? That's a good question. I would just say, you know, find those positive role models. I mean, really vet who those role models are um, and ask yourself, you know, is, is this who I want to be? You know, is this who I really want to be? Yeah. Um, and, you know, like from a faith standpoint, for me, you know, you know, as a Christian man, you know, looking back, I wish that I looked at my have looked to my heavenly father, you know, and the guidance of of the Lord to teach me how to be a man and, and, and to and to raise me up. You know, I didn't in my later years and that had a huge effect on me as, uh, as you know, that, that really helped me become a father. It helped me be a husband. You know what I mean? Looking to, you know, looking to the, to the Bible and looking to um, examples of Jesus and who he was and how he was as a man and how he treated people and how he was a father and how, you know, he always was compassionate um, with children and, and how he was, uh, you know, he rebuked the religious leaders, but he was opening and accepting and so like, like that became Jesus essentially taught me how to be a man and really and taught me how to be a father and a husband and, and, you know, and so, um, yeah, from a, from a faith standpoint, I would say that that's my number one answer. Um, um, for people who are just like, well, I'm not a Christian. I'm not, you know, I respect that. You know, my big thing is, okay, then find a, a somebody positive, somebody who people look, who, who people look up to for the right things. You know what I mean? Yeah. Somebody who is admirable, um, somebody who, and the best example of this is somebody who you would want to marry your mom. Ooh, that's right? a curveball. Yeah. Somebody cool. who you would want to marry your mom because, because if you look at it from that perspective, then you're going to X out a lot of people. You're going to X out a lot of rappers. You're going to X out a lot of dudes. Like not Scarface. Like not, yeah. <laughs> you're going to X out a lot of people because you're going to say to yourself, like, who would I want to marry my mom? Mm -hmm. I want somebody to marry your mom who's going to be admirable, who's going to be stand up, who's going to be respectful, and, and, and who's going to take care of your mom. And if that's that type, that's the type of person you need to be looking to, looking to as an example and as a mentor. Um, and, you know, same thing is, uh, you know, if you have, if you're older, because, you know, I talk to a lot of guys who are older and they say, you know, I never had a dad in my life and I'm struggling with this and I'm struggling with that. Like, how do I find it? And, you know, I, I can't mentor every single person. I just don't have the latitude. Um, but what I do try to tell guys, you know, I try to, you know, do inspirational, motivational stuff on social media and put out videos and stuff like that. But, you know, that's the best way I can do. I kind of, that's my shotgun approach, but, you know, for, for like a grown, grown man or older man, you know, looking to find somebody uh, to mentor them or teach them how to be a man is, you know, who would you want to marry your daughter? Yeah. That's a whole nother 
like the man that you that you would say okay i would be okay with that guy marrying my daughter if i had a daughter yeah uh, you know or i do have a daughter like that's the kind of guy i'm gonna look to yeah that's like, my I, man. I got a daughter you know what i mean so Mm-hmm. I was seeking after a mentor like that's something I'm thinking about like and, and like like what I want this guy if he was of the appropriate age and my daughter was of the appropriate age is this the type of guy I would want marrying my daughter yeah 100% no that's money and then two to jump on top of that the Jesus piece man because I was I'm a you know we're both warriors you know I grew up in church though and I grew up as a warrior in church yeah. And I remember feeling some displacement and being like, well, Jesus is like this nice, sweet, like yeah. hippie dude, you know? And I remember being like, I can't connect to this, you know? Yeah. And I remember being in, in, in looking at the dudes in church and being like, I can't connect to these cats. Yeah. They suck, man, yeah. you know? Um, but I say, read the Bible for yourself. 100%. Read the gospel for yourself. Cause a lot of religious stuff out there is like weaponized. Like it's like, it's like kind of castrating. Yeah. You know, because when you really read Jesus, the way he handles his business in the marketplace, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the disciples, you know, where they're like scared to even like bring it up to Jesus because they're like, yeah. yo, man, like, I think we messed up. Who's going to tell Jesus? Like, yeah. Jesus was a man's man. He brought authority, yeah. you know, and, and out of that strength, you can also bring compassion. And so, yeah. you know, I don't want you just thinking he's like the Jesus is my homeboy shirt. Yeah, kind of the long. That's not really actually what it's like. Yeah, that's through a Western lens. I I have a whole message I I preach on that. You know, and you know, it's because you know, it's you know, I I do reference the marketplace, but I mean, even going past that, like you know, looking at um, looking at his job. You know, see, you know, we Westernized everything, and so in in, through a Western lens, we we call him a carpenter. Right. right. So, like the Western definition of a carpenter is like somebody who does woodwork and, like a woodworker. and yeah. essentially he wasn't a he wasn't a carpenter. He was a stonemason. Because when you go to Israel, you see that there's stone, everything, everything's made of stone. And so, like literally, he was chiseling stone. He was making chairs out of stone and tables out of stone. So he was a stonemason. So he was carrying stone around. That, you know, he was brittle, he was strong, you know. So that, you know, him being a stonemason, you know, that get, adds that element. Then you look at the story when he passed through the crowd and a lot of people always say oh well he you know he mysterious like he, that was vanished. he was like no he didn't vanish no literally like he he bucked up and, he, <laughs> and was like no i'm walking and he walked through the crowd you know what i mean and yeah. I, I bet that i could see him you know people being so shook of him that you know because he was just like i ain't playing with you no more get out of my way right and, yeah. through, and then you look at you know the cross and you yeah. know, stuff he endured, you know, like, you know, having even before going to the cross, being dehydrated and sleep deprived and, you know, torn apart and, and you know, still caring that that takes a strong man to do that. You know what I mean? And then, yeah. you know, at any point he could have hit the stop button, you know, he could have called that legion agent angels at any point and stopped everything, you know, and, you know, just like people could ring the bell and buzz anytime and quit and they do, he could have ring the bell at any time and stopped it all, but he didn't, you know, so that, I mean, there's so many examples of the manhood of Jesus and how he was strong and he was probably ripped and, 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 you know, just strong, not just strong physically, but strong willed, strong minded, and not this, you know, like you said, you know, you know, floating on a cloud, soft, you know, hair, you know, corn, <laughs> you know nobody can connect to. And I, I believe it's the enemy, you know, the enemy tries to distort yeah. the view of who Jesus is so that people, especially men are looking like, oh, I don't want to be that. You know what I mean? Yeah, man, no, hundred percent. Because I, I think 
religion is has weaponized has been weaponized to keep us separated from from that relationship that it was always supposed to be about you know religion what murdered will put them on the cross in the first place exactly you know, so, exactly. exactly you know that it, it, it separates us from the reality of the relationship we can have you know yeah. and, um, then, and then you look at all of the corruption and interest oh, yeah. You know, what I mean, uh, in America, and you know, money and people stealing money and people flying private jets, and you know, and, you know, you, you turn on the TV and everybody, oh, God says, give us a thousand dollars. You know, I hate all that stuff, bro. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's not true. You know what I'm saying? No, hundred percent. I completely understand what you're saying with that man. You know, I've been there. Yeah, been there, man. No, and it, it's 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 misrepresentation of what is is one of the most valuable and important things we can have. You know, I think people look at your life and they're like, man, wow. You know, how did how did he do that? And and I know that people sometimes look at my life and I haven't done half as much, but they're like, okay, so like how this little dude, how this you know boy from the Bahamas execute on a lot of this stuff. Yeah, you know, um, which leads me into my next piece here, man. So, what's up with this voice that got you in the in the, in the military, man? How'd that? Yeah, how, what role has that voice played in your life, man? Talk about that a little bit, yeah, or maybe yeah. tell the story a little bit so people understand what happened, and then yeah, yeah, yes, no, hundred percent. So, yeah, I was in. Um, this was uh, two thousand two. I had kind of walked away from selling drugs and hustling and doing some of the stuff I was doing, cell phone scams and all that. And for, you know, I, you know, got involved in the situation, you know, turned bad. And so for six months I did nothing. And then, you know, in June I was, I was in bed and just, you know, just waking up. It was the morning laying there. And, uh, you know, I heard this voice speak to me uh, at the time. I thought it was my subconscious, but it was a very prominent voice sat up in the bed looked around and didn't say anything, see anybody, thought it was some, maybe it was something from out the window, you know, somebody yelling or talking out the window, didn't, there was nobody there. Um, and that voice was just like, you need to get out of here, you need to join the military. And I, I just remember just battling with the voice because that was totally contrary to who I was. Um, but, you know, after, you know, looking around my room and seeing, you know, what my life had amounted to, which was pretty much nothing <laughs> at that yeah. point, 19, about to turn 20, um, you know, I pretty much said, screw it, you know, why not? You know, I have nothing else going for myself. Let me just see what this is, you know, even though it's not what I want to do, you know, let me see um, what's out there. And, and, you know, thank God I obeyed that voice because I went into the Marine Corps recruiters for office first. There was nobody sat there for 15 minutes, nobody there. Um, then went into the Navy recruiter's office. There was a gorgeous Navy recruiter in there named Tiana Reyes. And uh, <laughs> kind of, what's up, girl? What's up? What's up? I tried to, I tried to mack on her. Let me howl. Let me howl. Let me howl. Let me howl. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Tried to throw my New York game at her. And, yep. um, and there's more to the story, but in short, you know, I had warrants out for my arrest. And she, 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 when she ran my background, she found that out. I didn't know that. And uh, she went and, and instead of turning me in, she took me to the judges the next day and advocated on my behalf to expunge my record. And then, you know, so that I can get into the military and both judges expunged my record. And she went a step further and fudged the paperwork to sneak me into the Navy. And that's how I got in. And I always look back to that voice because if I didn't obey that voice at that moment in time, 
you know, what would have happened? You know, I could have walked into the recruiter's office a day later and it could have been a different recruiter in there. It could have been, a, and I could have walked in the Marine Corps office and the recruiter could have been in there. He could have ran my background, found the warrants and blacklisted me. And I, and I say that because I have, I get, I get DMs on social media all the time from kids, adults to say, you know, I made this mistake when I was a teenager. I got this misdemeanor or I got this warrant, whatever the case may be. And I went to the recruiter and I'm in the system now, but I, and I can't join because I've already been listed to somebody with a record and I've tried everything. I've tried to get letters from my senator, my congressman, all that. And I get these messages like literally almost every month. And, you know, people ask me, they say, um, you know, what did you do? Like, how did you do it? And I just say, you know, I just ran into the right person that took a chance on me. And so just thinking and looking at the timing of when that person called me, uh, when I heard that voice and then going down the street to uh, and going into the Marine Corps recruiter's office and sitting there for 15 minutes and then walking out and meeting Tiana, who did what she did, you know, the odds of that happening if I didn't obey that voice or, you know, slim to none, you know, so. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah. And, that, and that's been a reoccurring theme in my life is this idea of, you know, hearing this voice telling me to do something at a particular time, even like this movie I directed, I was in my office and mm -hmm. um, me and my assistant were looking for, we, like we were working on a few projects, Kejo being one, and then like out of the blue, like I heard this voice telling me you need to direct a movie. Mm. What? And I got out of my office because I got all of this stuff going on where I'm writing movies. I'm in the Writers Guild of America, which is the this is the guild for Hollywood screenwriters. I mean, the odds of getting it's it's easy to get drafted into the MLB to this to get into the uh, WGA. And so you know, I got this thing wow. going as a consultant on film and TV stuff. I got my career going as a writer in the WGA. I got all this, and so I was just like, I heard this voice say, "You need to direct something, like direct this script." And um, I, I was like yeah right I need to do it and I ran out and I told my assistant I was like I'm gonna direct the movie He's like what like how are you gonna do that how are you gonna pull it? I was like I'm gonna do it I just don't know how I'm gonna do it and literally a month later we're in production in Kansas City private jets Ari Alexa cameras full crew everything and everything just started coming together real real smoothly and now you know I got to film this now I'm gonna be premiering at some festivals and it's going to just lead to other things, but it all came from obeying that voice at that particular time, you know, yeah, which is what I said earlier about the wisdom, mm -hmm. you know, it's like, you know, I don't have wisdom, but God will give you wisdom. <laughs> he gives me that wisdom. And then that, that leads to, to this idea. I act on that idea. And then I look like a genius because that idea turned out great, but it wasn't me. <laughs> Yeah, man. No, that, that, and that's the, that's the secret sauce, man. That's the tartar sauce, in my opinion, you know, because yeah. when I was listening to the book, that was one of the things that really blew me away. Cause that's how I've got to where I'm at too, man. Like, yeah. honestly, I saved my entire family's life when I was five. Cause I heard that voice. And I remember I'm in the Bahamas and I'm about to sleep on the couch. And this voice is like, yo, go sleep in your dad's room. Yeah. And I look around and I'm like, yo, looking around you know <laughs> and I'm, I'm like i heard a voice you know what i mean so i'm like and i'm little i'm raised in church so i'm like and i i knew it was god you know it's yeah. the holy spirit is with me everywhere i go yeah. and i'm but i'm a human so i'm still i start arguing dude i'm like yo i'm comfortable on the couch yeah. i'm just sleeping on the couch like i got my blankets and i try to go to bed and he wouldn't let me go to bed you know and and i hear the voice again get up close to your dad's room so i go yeah. sleep in my dad's room and then the voice comes back get your sister and i'm like yo 
you're supposed to know everything. If you know everything, my big sister, my big sister, like from New York, she like clean the teeth and like she yeah, beat yeah. me up at this time. You know, so I'm like, I'm like, yo, I can't go get my. You're supposed to know everything. You know, I can't go get her. He's like, yeah. go in the living room. I'll tell you what to do. I walk in the living room before I can say anything. I snatch the blankets off my sister. She gets cold. She comes in the room, smacks me around, lays down on the yeah. floor. I lock the door, go to bed. Long story short, uh, about five or six dudes break into the house to kill my father, who was running one of the biggest task force in the Bahamas at that time. I wake up in the middle of the night to them trying to pick the lock. I got boogeyman scared. I'm I'm five, dude. I'm staring at the lock in my face, shaking. This is the Bahamas, man. Like this is shanty town. Like, like these cats breaking your house to clean your house out in eight minutes. Nothing was stolen. I wake my dad up. He racks his shotgun. You hear everybody run out the house. Um, and I would have been sleeping on the couch when yeah. those hitmen came in the house with my sister wow. and my dad's door wouldn't have been locked, you know? So, you wow. know, and then I, I fast forward to Iraq, you know, I hear that same voice, you know, I'm, I'm, we just got blown up. I read a Bible verse. Cause like, I don't, I didn't get shook in combat. Like I didn't really experience a lot of fear cause I felt protected. Yeah. There's one time this mission called Pegasus bridge and long story short, we had a hard like India Company was like a hardest company in my in three one when I was in. Like I didn't even want to be in. Oh, you were three one. Yeah, you. I know that was. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I was one four. Yeah. Okay, one four. Okay. That's Camp so, Horner. Three one is Camp Horner, right? Yes, sir. Yes, yeah. sir. <laughs> so you know, I I remember they got messed up, man. Overnight, we had got sent out there to augment them to support yeah. them, and. Long story short, man, like we cleared a lot of, you know, one deployment, we cleared over 20 some cities. This was one place we got to where they were like, like the locals. And you'll know that, you'll know this, like the locals were like, usually they're like, I'm not BB Marines, Marines, yeah. Like, yeah, you're good, we're good, everything's good. And then they try and kill you or something. This was the first time that they were like, you guys look like good dudes, like not for nothing, you guys need to leave. Like they were like straight up telling us like, yo, get out of here, dude, you know? And, uh, you know, I, long story short, we get blown up. Um, I saw it coming, but I couldn't get everyone out of the way. I'm standing there after we get blown up and uh, I'm standing on top of an IED and I don't know it. I'm standing on top of two one five fives. And I thought that it had already been expended, but I hear that voice again, like, hey, you know, don't, I see two hacksaw blades. you know, yeah. like a pressure plate. So yeah. they make these pressure plates. So if the hacksaw blades touch, yeah, oh, yeah. You know, for yeah. everybody listening, um, it completes the circuit and it goes down to a bomb. Yeah. You can stand yeah. on top of two of these, you know, two of these large explosives designed to blow up tanks. And yeah. uh, I hear that voice, and it's like, yo, don't push that, pick it up. And I'm like, with my earthly knowledge, I'm like, yo, it's already expended. Like the hole's right here. Chill out, you know. But I listen, and you know, I'm I'm not pink mist because of it, you know. Yeah, hundred um, percent. Yeah, man. So, and then getting into EP, you know, that same voice told me once again, like, go here, do this, you'll become a bodyguard. Fast forward, you know, I hit 70 countries in my first year as a bodyguard in executive protection at at 21. You know, that's unheard of, you know. Yeah, yeah. that's crazy. You know, so for people listening, that relationship with God and the Holy Spirit is so huge, man. And I don't really talk about it much. I'm talking about it with you. It'll save you a lot of no, 100%. It saved you a lot of headache. It's funny, I was speaking at a church over the weekend, and I was essentially saying the same thing to these young kids, man. Uh, it was an adult church, but they allowed all the young kids to come into the service just because they, you know, I was going to be a guest speaker there. And mm-hmm. I was telling the kids at the end, I was just because the pastor was like, what would you say to kids? And I was just like, dude, it's just 
I mean, in obedience to the Holy Spirit just like saves you so much heartache and pain. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you got the cheat code. You know what I mean? Cheat code. Uh, That's what it is. And because if not, you're just gonna keep bumping your head and going around and around the circles and going through breakups and hurts and pains and you know, and you know, and then you look back and you're just like, why did I do all of that when I had the answer right here? Yes. Yeah. I was no, literally just saying that on on Sunday. Yeah, man. No, that is, that's so true, man. It's the ultimate cheat code, man. Uh, as far as like Hollywood, you know, and, and getting into showbiz and all that stuff, yeah. um, has that started to, has it tested your faith at all? And if so, yeah. no, nah. no, no, I haven't had any issues with it. Cause, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't had issues. I haven't had to compromise. Like, you know, mm -hmm. if I offered a job and I don't want to do it I just don't do it you know what I mean like I'm not the thing is with Hollywood you can't be desperate and there's a lot of people in Hollywood who are desperate whether they're Christian not Christian whatever their background may be and so they're willing to do whatever it takes to get to where they want to be for me I've never wanted to be an actor I still don't have a desire to be an actor my my goal is I want to be a writer and I want to be a writer director and so like, cause I want to be able to tell stories that I want to tell instead of being, you know, a piece of the story. No offense to people who are a piece of the story. Like, I just want to be the storyteller not just a piece of the story. Like the full on storyteller cause actors are storytellers as well. And so, um, yeah, with that said, you know like me and my agent, you know my agent in Hollywood we got a call this morning. We got offered a TV show uh, and you know I told them no unless they're going to give me X, Y, and Z I'm not doing it. You know what I mean? And it's just, it's just a lot of power and being able to say no and being able to say, you know what, I know where my money is going to come from. Um, and, you know, I know the Lord's going to provide, he has. And so like, I'm not going to be hurting for money if I, if I, you know, if I don't take this job, you know? So I think for me, like I haven't had issues because I've been able to say no. And, you know, I've come into the industry on, you know, with, with a resume that, um, they, that, um, elicits immediate respect. You know what I mean? So like, you know, working with a lot, of, I've worked with a lot of big actors and directors and, you know, from Ryan Reynolds and Michael Bay to Peter Berg to Mark Wahlberg to Anthony Hopkins. I'm working with Chris Pratt right now on a TV show, and, you know, and it's just like, you know, the fact that I was a SEAL and there's not that many African-American SEALs, you know right. what I mean? Like there's only a handful of us. Like I'm, I'm already like respected. Like they're like, oh, dude, you're a seal. You're black. You're a seal. Like, oh man, you know. So it's that automatic respect. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I don't deal with a lot of the stuff that people just trying to get into the industry deals with. Deal mm -hmm. with, uh, and then even on the writing front, you know, like as a writer. Um, it was a lot easier for me to get representation is, um, and it's easier for me to get in certain rooms because I'm coming from a perspective of a person who who have, who has lived what I'm writing, right? So, you know, I wrote right. about the first group of African-Americans to serve as special operations. And, you know, what, what makes it unique is not just the story, but the fact that I'm a person who was, I'm an African-American who served in special operations. So that adds marketing value, you know? So there's certain things that, you know, I already come to the table uh, with uh, and, and that appeals to Hollywood. So again, I don't have to, I, I don't deal with a lot of, you know, drama. That stuff. Yeah, man. And I think the takeaway is it's because you're grounded, yeah. you know, in who you are and you know, you know, where, you know, who, you know, who your master is, man, you know, where everything's coming from, you know, and I, I think, I think that can be, um, that can be translated into anyone's everyday life, you know, like yeah. don't let your boss, don't let your job, that's not your source. Yeah. Second that becomes your source, then that's what owns you, you know. Yeah.
Yeah. And then over the moment you make it your source, like, you know, God will be like, take it away from you to show yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. So it's like, I don't get caught up in it. You know, if a door closes, a door closes. I've had something to think about Hollywood. A lot of people don't realize this. And, you know, is like Hollywood as a business is all about rejection. Like, yeah. like, like every project, I've been rejected so many times and everybody gets rejected because yeah. Hollywood is set up to say no regardless of your faith background or whatever. And so like, it kills me sometimes when Christians are just like, oh, I'm in Hollywood and then I'm not getting work because I'm a Christian and this and that and this. And it's just like, not necessarily, you're not getting work because 99% of the people who are trying to get work in a business are not getting work. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's the game you're playing. Basically. Yeah, there's, there's like, I think, I can't remember what the statistic is, but there's like 38, 40, I think there's, no. It's like 40 or 50,000 scripts are registered with the WGA every year, um, movie scripts. And you know how many of those are made every year? Like maybe 300, right? Yeah. Like, and not even that, maybe 250, you know what I mean? So it's like, you know, like what happened to the other, you know, tens of thousands? Was it because they were this? It was because, no, it's just a hard business to make it in. You're dealing with a lot of competition and, um, and you're dealing with a lot of people who know how to do what you know how to do, most of whom probably know how to do it better than you know how to do it. Yeah. Um, so it's it's you just have to have thick skin. You gotta you gotta be okay with being rejected. And you know, my whole life I was rejected. <laughs> so yeah, it's like, yeah. you know what I mean. You know, I was rejected. I failed at it. So it's just like you know, I get rejected. It's just like all right, whatever. Let's find a different way into the into the room. You know, find a different way around. And you know, and so. That's awesome, man. Nah, I love that. That's good stuff, man. What would you say? I mean, you've done so many things, you know, at least up until this point, and I get the feeling you're just warming up and just, you just unwinding, you just get started. Yeah. Uh, what do you, what are your proudest moments in life? Uh, being a father, being a husband and father, having a family, like at the end of the day, that's the most, that's the proudest moment of my life is being in, you know, just being with my kids. And, and just being able to provide for my kids the life that they have, you know what I mean? They live in a multi-million dollar home. They go to the, you know, they we have a teacher that comes to the house to teach them. They, nice. you know, ride around in nice cars. They have nice clothes. They have all of this, you know, all of this stuff. They have whatever they want. We don't give them whatever they want. You know, I still try to raise them with the way my mom raised me, where they have to earn what they what they get. Um, yeah. But you know, to be able to provide for them the life that I didn't have you know, that's the proudest moments, moments of my life is that, you know, and, uh, you know, just being able to be, you know, faithful to my wife and, you know, and, uh, you know, because I'm in LA and there's a lot of temptation. And every time I come home, it's just like, wow, I was hundred percent faithful to my wife. You know what I mean? It's just like, that's a proud moment to me. You know what I mean? That I was able to hold it down, you know? Um, so yeah, family, just the wow. family life, man, just the family life, you know, because at the end of the day, that's what, you know, that's, you know, after the Lord, that's the most important thing. That's all that matters is family. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and giving your kids what they need to get so that they can grow up and be great. You know, I got three sons, great men. I have one daughter, great women, a great woman, and, you know, do great things. You know what I mean? And, and uh, so, yeah. That's awesome, man. That's beautiful. A few closing questions here. Um, what's the hardest lesson you've learned on your journey? Yeah, I can't think of one. I mean, because uh, I mean, I'm always learning lessons all the time, and they're always, you know, you nah. know, 
most of the lessons I learn are painful, you know, not, you know, I don't say that meaning in a physical way. I just mean it in a metaphorical way. Um, but those are the lessons that you learn the most. I, I, yeah, I think so many, every day I'm learning new lessons. You know, yeah, so, I, yeah. I think you're like me, dude. Like I'm, I'm, I'm so inoculated to like trauma and like learning at this point, like people be like, well, what if like your event fails or what if, you know, this horrible thing that I think is horrible will happen. I'm like, literally, I'm like, I've got to turn the page. I got nine different things I'm working on right now. Yeah. I'll learn from it. I'll be more dangerous the next lap. And that's, that's it. Like, I keep it moving. 100%. Yeah. You know, you know, God gives us grace. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can't think of, uh, I mean, I would just say the lesson that sucks is when people uh, betray you. You know what I mean? Um, I would say that those are hard ones to swallow when it's just like, oh man, like I, I thought I could trust this person, but I can't trust this person. And then it's just, and then you learn, okay, you, then, you know, you can't easily trust people, you know? Um, so it's, I would say trust is, you know, those are always tough lessons to swallow when you, when you um, put trust in people, especially when you, you know, for me, I think the toughest ones is veterans, you know what I mean? Where, mm -hmm. especially in Hollywood, you know what I mean? Like yeah. you're in Hollywood and you meet somebody who's a veteran and they, and they act like they have their, your best interest in heart. And they're like, oh, I'm gonna walk you down this path. I'm gonna help you with this, this and that. I'm gonna do this, this and that. And then they end up burning you or trying to steal your ideas or trying to, <laughs> you know, trying to steal your IP and or manipulate you and the stuff. I think, you know, those are, that was, you know, cause that's happened a lot. Yeah. I mean, is, uh, you know, with me in the business. And um, and so it's just, oh, I can't trust just because somebody says they're in the military or just because somebody says they're black and they, you know, I'm your boy and black and all this or yeah. you know, whatever it is or whatever the case may be. You know, I'm, yeah. I've been burned by Christians in the business, bro. Oh, yeah, man. You know, I see that. And people are like, oh, I'm a Christian. You're a Christian. And it's funny. Like, I get messages all the time from people who are just like, um, oh, like I'm, like, I'm a Christian. I see you're a Christian in Hollywood. Like, like I got this project, this amazing, way. I say the worst thing you could tell me, you're, the worst introduction you can give me is I'm a, I'm a Christian. Yeah, yeah. You know, I've just found that I've worked with a lot of Christians in business who don't know how to do business and who mm -hmm. don't understand business and they don't do stuff with excellence. So the worst thing you can say to me, your introduction is I'm a Christian. Cause yeah. I'm automatically be like, okay, red flags are going up. <laughs> just cause I've been burnt by so many Christians. I've been burnt by so many veterans. Yeah, yeah. I've been burnt by so many people who are, or who are of my, you know, tribe, yeah. you know, and then they, and then they, you know, they use that to get in and, you know, you realize that it doesn't matter where somebody says they come from or how connected they are to you. You, you still have to vet them. You still have to go through a vetting process. 100% man. No, I think, I think just that framework, yeah. starting the relationship off with that framework is mad suspect to me yeah. like this yeah. is how we get you know you know why are you leading with that kind of thing i think uh um i've experienced it a lot as well man in my side on my side you know traveling and doing a lot of stuff in that evangelical space and protecting yeah. a lot of people in that space yeah um, and i really had to separate the business like church from business and i watched people try to fuse the two a whole lot and i even found working for Christian organizations to be way more problematic. They'd be like, yo, you, you, you get your money in heaven. It's like, you get paid when you get heaven. We call these, we came up with a term called spirit dollars. Like, you know, they think they're going to pay us in spirit dollars, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, then, then, you know, then just dealing with straight business people, you know? And it's yeah. sad, you know? It's yeah, sad. It is, it is. But uh, it is. that's a leverage point. Yeah, yeah, a lot of Christians don't have, do not have business sense, and do not understand. 
And the Bible even talks about that, man. He says, he talks about how the pagans understand these things. Yeah, yeah. Better than Christians do sometimes. Right. You know? Yeah, and, 100%. And that's not all of them, but it's definitely something when I see someone lead with anything like, oh, we're both brothers. Oh, you know, we're veterans. Oh, we, it's like, no, no, no. Show me first, you know, exactly. show me some fruit and then we can get to work. Yeah. Um, uh, let's see here. How would you like to be remembered? I would just say it always comes back to family for me. So just a good husband and father. You know what I mean? Like, that's it. That's the most important thing, especially for my kids. Yeah. Like, I want my kids, like, if I was to die, like, five years from now, a year from now, whatever, I want my kids to be like, man, my dad was a, a really good dad. You yeah. know what I mean? I want that to be something that they remember. And they, and, and as when they become parents, they're like, you know, they want to be a good dad because I was a good dad. So if there's one, because at the end of the day, like, do I... Do I really care how the masses remember me? Not necessarily, you know what I mean? What I care about is how those who are close to me remember me, specifically my kids, because yeah. that's what they're going to carry with them for the rest of their life, their memory of their father. Um, so yeah, I just want to be remembered as a really great dad and a great husband. That's awesome, man. Habit, <clears throat> a habit that you think people should consider uh, that makes you a better person or makes them a better person? something that you do in your daily life that that you'd like to encourage people to check out well you know i won't you know, we talked a lot about faith so i mean i, I think it's self-explanatory for me you know faith, the yeah. big, it's a big habit prayer you know reading scriptures and um but i would i would so more on, a, on something that you know more of your audience assuming that the majority of your audience is not from a faith background um to connect with is i would just say um I would say, you know, fitness is a habit, just hitting the gym because it's, it's, so, it's so good for your mind. A lot of people don't realize how good it is for your mind for you to just, you know, get out there and regardless of what your fitness level is and just do something every single day. Yeah. Um, stay active, you know what I mean? And, and you never know. I mean, you, you talk about this a lot on your, um, on, you talk about readiness a lot on your, on your social media posts. And it's just like, you never know what type of situ you, situation you're going to end up in. You never yeah. know somebody, wild person walking down the street is like out of their mind and they're just going to jump on you and start beating you half to death. Right. right. What are you going to do in that situation? Are you, are you going to, are you going to be ready? Are you going to, and I don't mean like able to like jujitsu and all i mean just from the perspective of are you going to have the endurance to defend yourself or are you right. going to be so out of shape and so you know so just you know not fit that, that you don't last a second and you just got to lay down and die you know <laughs> and get taken advantage of you know? yeah you know and and so it's like for me I, I just think that that's a habit and that habit came i mean through the military you know what i mean yeah. because, you know one thing in the military is you, you're always working out and then, you know, you get into the regular, you get through boot camp, you're working out, you get into the regular military, you're working out. And then, you know, for me that gotten, you know, gotten to soft and it's just like fitness is a part of your life. Like you cannot be a fat seal. You know what I mean? And so it's just one of those things, right? And just like, you can't be a fat Marine. I mean, you already know this and I mean, no offense at all, but that's just the reality of it. Um, and so like, you know, that's a, it's a good habit to have. It's because yeah. it, it helps with discipline, you know, it helps with mental toughness resilient all around i mean it just helps you feel good about yourself it gives you more confidence when you're when you take care of yourself and you're fit and you see the fruits of it um yeah. it gives you good reference points and it's and then it's good for your health you know what i mean like you know i want to live as i want to live 
you know, wrong so that I could see my kids, you know, get married and, and, and have kids and, and all that stuff. And, and um, I know it all starts with this habit now of, you know what, I don't feel like working out. I hate working out. I don't hate working out, but I'm just paraphrasing. Mm-hmm. Somebody must say, there's a lot of times I don't feel like working out, you know, most oh, times. Yeah. And I hate my workouts because my workouts are tough. You know, I have a saying when it comes to fitness, if you're not uncomfortable in your training, you're not training. And so, well, why am I doing this? Because, you know, I want to be healthy. I want to be around for my kids and I want to be ready in a case I get into a situation like, and, and, you know, I see even now, like I get cast in a lot of these projects because I fit because they want somebody who could, you know, look the part, you know what I mean? And so like, it, 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 like my fitness level, my fitness level uh, affects my bank account. <laughs> Literally, man. Just like you, is it? You know, like if you were out of shape and like you know, you, you, nobody's gonna want to hire you to do security. No, yeah, maybe CVS. You know, hire you to sit on the chair and do security, but you're not gonna yeah. get hired for the high end. Even from the perspective of what you're doing now, at, at these you know these speeches and symposiums that you do, yeah. nobody's gonna really take what you say seriously you're showing up and you're out of shape and you're not fit and you're, you're this and that and you're talking about right. it. you know so it's all it, it equates to dollars and I, and I guarantee you like you know obviously there's all these different labor laws and you can't discriminate but yeah. I guarantee you there's a lot of people that lose jobs uh-huh uh don't get hired or don't get hired because they're not they don't fit the part or some or you know somebody looks the part somebody looks fit and, and, and that equates to, oh, this person is going to work hard. And I'm not saying that this is the right mindset to have. I'm just saying if this happens, oh, this is a uh, it, it comes down to two people who are going to get the job. This person's fit. Okay. I think they'll put on this person's out of shape or lazy. Like that's the mindset that a lot of people have. This person may be lazy. Yeah. Uh, I'm not saying it's right, but a lot, when it comes down to business and somebody has to make a decision, like that's more often the, chance, the decision that they're going to go with. Right. Yeah. So, you know, it does affect, it affects a lot of things. So yeah. that's, that's a, a good habit. I think you don't have to be freaking, you know, as fit as me or you or have muscles popping out, but you know, just, you know, just take care of yourself. Take care of yourself. You know? <laughs> nah, I dig it. Which is something that, you know, you know, our community, you know, African-American community, especially with COVID, it was a huge wake up call, you know, because yes. a lot of people, you know, uh, African-Americans who were hit hard by COVID um, because, you know, a lot obesity. of underlying issues, obesity, diabetes, you know, high bu- blood pressure, um, just all yeah. things that affect our community. And, you know, if we took care of ourselves and ate better, you know what I mean? And, um, you know, it would, it would, it would change. Some so. No, 100%, man. I completely agree. There's mad science too on the quality of life people live that are more fit, the amount of jobs they get, the quality of relationships they have, like this, this, there's like numbers on it for real. Depression, depression, not low, you know, low, you know. Testosterone levels, like hormonal balances. Um, No, that's a fact, man. And I I don't want people to get it twisted. When you're working out, you're not just working your physical body, you're working your mind, your your emotions, your mind, will and emotions, your soul, your spirit. Your body, everything's getting strengthened. You're learning to be inoculated with stress. You know, yeah. it's so so important. It prepares you for the battle of life. You know, um, so no, that's a huge one, man. I, I can 100 get behind that, man. So, man, it's, it's it's been awesome to sit here and chop it up with you, man. It, it's an honor, such an honor. You 
I can tell you that you've definitely positively impacted my book, your my life with your book um, and with your work, man. I'm I'm very proud to be connected with you, and uh, definitely want to contribute and 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 do anything I can to push that stuff forward because it's good for the world, man. It's good for everybody. Thank you, bro. Appreciate you, man. I appreciate all you do as well. It's all good intel, and yeah, you're helping a lot of people. So thank you for what you do. No, thank you, man. That's that's an honor for sure. One yeah. last question. What are you up to these days and where can people find you, man? Yeah, um, just, you know, grinding on these TV shows and got this movie that I wrote that just got picked up. So grinding on that. Um, uh, my apparel company, kejoware.com, K-E-J-O, where, W-E-A-R, kejoware.com, you know, just launching, you know, that's been launched. So go on that website, grab some cool shirts, uh, male, uh, female, we got it all. Um, um, if you want something for your kids, I recommend you get a small uh, for your kids, size small for your kids and adults, that'll fit them. Um, so yeah, got that going. And um yeah, what else? I mean, there's a lot of stuff, man. I got going. Do you have like a website that's like the hub for everything that is Remy? No, no it's just social media. So if you go to okay. like, you know, Remy Adelaide on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, it's, you know, that's where I kind of drop, you know, that's my easy website. <laughs> so that's, <laughs> that's where everything is co-located. Solid. And then what was the, the apparel company uh, website was K... Yeah. Uh, K-E-J-O, uh, Kejo Wear, uh, K-E-J-O-W-E-A-R, uh, wear.com. And we also have Instagram, Kejo Wear, Instagram, Kejo Wear, Twitter, Facebook. Um, and yeah, yeah. Solid, brother. And follow this man on IG, y'all. That's what I be following him. He's putting yeah. out good stuff. So yes, sir. once yes, again, brother, it's, I know you got to get to set, <laughs> you know, pretty yes, soon sir. here. I keep the mind uh, going. It never stops. It doesn't, man. It doesn't. We get, you know, it stops when we die, man. Then we got eternity to do something else. But for yes, now, sir. we hammer it. Yes, sir. Yes, Good sir. Go, man. So thank you once again. Uh, it's an absolute honor, man. Uh, yes, sir. God bless you and all you do. And uh, same same. In the next one. God bless you and the fam, man. Thanks. You too, brother. Yes, sir. Oh. Boom. Yo, what up? I hope you guys really enjoyed that episode. Hey, listen, in order to get more out of the brand, I want to encourage you to go join us on our social media platforms and join us at protectornation.com. We post different types of content on our different platforms at different times. Uh, you'll get blog posts, you'll get videos, you'll get real world combat engagements and things like that. So stay plugged in in order to get the most out of the brand. In order to support us, also go to protectornation.com and buy something or join forces with me on Patreon. You'll scroll down the homepage and you'll see the link. Uh, anything you can give counts, you know, think about whatever you would lose in your cushions or like spend on McDonald's this month, five bucks a month, whatever it is. Uh, that helps. That helps us make the world a better place by making good people dangerous. Anyways, this is Byron Rogers, protector by nature and by trade. And I'll see you on the next piece of content, whether it's a video or podcast out.